I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Every team has their own wrestlers. But this is for wrestlers everywhere. Wrestle hard. All right, welcome back to the Wrestling Mindset Podcast. This is Mindset Mike here, and I'm with my good friend Mike Mao over from Flow Wrestling's Behind the Dirt for our second episode of Mindset Over Mal. Uh, this will be the wrestling world's new favorite podcast and will feature every second Monday of the month. Mike, it's good to have you back. Uh, I know it's hot in Texas, but how have you been? Uh, how have you been since last month? Oh, I can't complain. Did you say second episode? Because I think it was like 2.5. I'll be honest with that. It's kind of like 2.5. Kind of like 2.5. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, look, man, I'm good. I'm really good. We were saying it was hot out. It was Yesterday, I spent most of the day in ice. So today, it being 95, I spent most of the day outside. It's gorgeous out here. Yeah, man. So, but uh, um, our guest today, Ben Provisor, uh, it's 41 degrees over in Wisconsin, huh? Yeah, no thanks for that. No thanks for that. So our first episode, Mike and I caught up with NCAA champ uh, Yanni Doc Mahalas, and it was certainly a crowd favorite. This is uh, this month's guest was just selected as the USA Wrestling's Athlete of the Week for his performance at the Pan American Championship. Athlete of the Week. Thank you very much. And 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 oh, Flow Wrestling oh, Athlete of the Week. Wow, I didn't even know you had one, so good to know. So pretty much our guest has sweeped all of the awards in the wrestling community this past week. Uh, He is one of the most accomplished members of the U.S. Greco team as a two-time Olympian, three-time U.S. Open champion, long resume after that. Most recently, uh, he was a last-minute substitute for Jaden Cox in the freestyle division. And as a Greco guy, he still teched his way to a gold medal in freestyle, despite not having wrestled a freestyle match in over seven years. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome back Ben Provisor, all the way from Peru, now in Wisconsin, on his way back to Pennsylvania. How's it going, Ben? Not much, man. How you guys doing? 
man good it's been uh it's been good besides sweating my butt off uh here in texas i'm kind of jealous of your of your hey, rainy look, weather i don't think you are <laughs> <laughs> not at all. it was a cold winter <laughs> It was a cold winter for the East Coast, and I left 83 degrees. Not much I'd be there, but it's okay. You know, I said that I was excited to move to the heat when I moved to Texas, and then when I got here and August came, I was like, bro, I, I will take winter any day. Yeah, I definitely should do Texas. I would know. I like, I'm a person, so. I'm, I'm just a, dude, I lose all my life. I lose too much weight, I think. I did the game, Yeah, man. Yeah. Mm, no way, bro. I'll take, I'll take it all day long. No, no thanks. So, Ben, you've obviously been the talk of the town uh, this week among wrestling fans. A Greco wrestler fills in for the returning freestyle Olympian on short notice. You know, before we before we get into mindset stuff, I want you to tell us a little bit about how that whole situation came about to go from being in the middle of your Greco tournament to teching your way through your bracket in a in a weight class six kilos higher than what your weight was in Greco. Um Tell us what happened to Jaden. Tell us, you know, how, how your situation came about and how you ended up stepping up in that role. Well, uh, pretty much just got news that Jaden was uh, not feeling well. I don't know if it was, I really don't know what it was. Um, I mean, and then yeah, halfway through my tournament, after my semi lost the stupid KC Cunningham came up to me and said, hey, you might have to win for freestyle. You don't have to wrestle. But, uh, you know, the next day came and I felt I felt actually better than the second than the first day at Greco. You know, after my five matches and I just went out there and wrestled. My coach me and my coach talked about it and said, Hey, what's the best way to get better? And we thought wrestling three more matches would be in my best interest. So So I got I got a question about that. Like so when Casey comes up to you, right? First of all, it's after your semis lost in Greco, right? So you're you're probably yeah. not the highest spirited person at that point. Uh, um, what goes through your head when he goes, "Hey man, we need you to weigh in," and you know what he really means, right? Hey, will you wrestle freestyle, right? Like that's really what they mean when they say that, right? I mean, let's be honest about it. Um, yeah. What kind of goes through your head? Does he go, "Oh man, this is gonna suck," or? What, what goes through your head at that point? Well, I don't think uh, anything really goes through my head. I knew, I knew the whole day, honestly, that my body wasn't responding to the way I normally wrestle in Greco. I, just didn't, I didn't feel good like mentally. I, I didn't feel good mentally either. You know, I could tell my body wasn't responding like to the weight cut I had. So, I mean, when he came up to me, I wasn't really too down because I knew I didn't wrestle my best match. I mean, I don't, I don't think I was in the right circumstance. And, uh, you know, I didn't get the feeling right away that, you know, it was I had to wrestle. But then throughout the day, people, like, throughout that day, they're like, hey, I think pretty well. And it was an Olympic weight, too. So, I mean, they're not sending, like, it's not too bad. They're not sending, like, crazy good guys. And, you know, I just went out there and wrestled. Uh, you know, I I had a good time. You know, that, I think that a lot of people had a good time watching me. And it's cool to, yeah, that's pretty awesome, man. Um, you know, it's been a long time since you competed in freestyle and I see kids who train both full time during the spring. They struggle going from Greco in the morning to an afternoon freestyle match. 
but it didn't seem to phase you much. And like we said, you actually performed very, very well in freestyle. So, you know, what was your mindset going into freestyle? Um, and how did you feel? How did you feel in one way or another that you were able to maybe compete a little bit more freely? Because it's been a long time. There wasn't really a lot of expectations. You just kind of went out there like wrestling is wrestling. Let me get better at wrestling. But, you know, what were like what was some of the talks that you had with yourself as you were getting ready to to enter that second part of the tournament? Well, honestly, you know, I knew I was going to, you know, I'm a Greco wrestler. That's what I'm going to wrestle. So I, I wasn't really going to change my game plan too much as far as what I was going to do. I was going to do the same things I do with Greco that made me so dangerous. So that's really was my mindset going into it. You know, even Casey used to say, well, I'll just hand, beat everybody in a hand fight. And that's all I did the whole time. I just got in a little stance. As soon as they grabbed me, I just got into a Greco match. So that was my mindset going into that. I like uh, that because you, you are kept shot. The... Go ahead, yeah, man. Go ahead. They shot on me a few No, you're good. I mean, they shot on me a few times. Uh, I didn't really take a shot, but I just sort of waited for them to come to me. And then once, once I got my hands on them, it turned into a Greco match. I, I like how you put that because you're like, I'm going to wrestle my match. I don't care what style it is. I'm not going to change what I'm doing. And that's very much like the definition of a predator mindset is, yeah, I mean, yeah, I haven't wrestled a freestyle match in seven years. Yeah, I haven't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going into the freestyle tournament, but I'm going to make you wrestle Greco whether you like it or not. And if I get on top of you, it's going to be game over. So, you know, you force them to, okay. be, you almost force them to be in a prey position. They, they didn't have an option. Um, you know, before we... Before we, uh, you know, get in to talk a little bit more about wrestling, man, what's this I hear about you having chickens? What, what, what's that all about? Well, I can give you more backstory this time, but, uh, so I lived in Wisconsin and the lady I had, the lady I lived with had like 16 chickens. Actually, where it really starts, she had two chickens and there was a rooster and like, there was one rooster and one normal chicken. And this rooster terrorized me for like three months. It me around the farm. It was like, so I just had, every time I come outside, I would get chased by this rooster. Apparently, it could like smell or something. didn't like my set. I don't know what was going on. So, I really liked the eggs that I would get from like those from the chickens that we had on the farm. I just thought they were a lot better, so I ended up buying chicken. Uh, once I bought a house out in VA, so I got eleven chickens. I actually just finished putting the chicken coop together yesterday before I left for this trip. So, <laughs> so you started off with eleven? Like you couldn't get like three? <laughs> I know. I it was definitely. I definitely went way too big. I definitely got way too big. Maybe I was just roaming at my house. I don't know. And it's, uh, there's not much to do there, but uh, I, I originally got eight, like it was like a six for two genome, and then I got eight of them. So I got eight there, and then I saw these chickens that laid green and green and blue eggs. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So I got four more. So I started with twelve. Then they had a fight. Then when I left for this trip for nationals in Peru, I uh, I guess they had a fight for who was alpha, and then one died. <laughs> so, yeah, apparently that happened. Look, man, every time you make cutting orders, sometimes and it gets broken. You know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so what happens yeah, like when you go on a trip? Fight. 
What happens when you go on a trip? Do you got to get a? Do you have to get a chicken sitter? Um, I mean, I have people that live like right next to me that are on the like part of the staff and stuff. So no, they they come and check on them. But now that they're outside, it's pretty much just keeping their food and their uh, water filled up. That's funny. That's funny. So you know, so speak some sort of a chicken sitter. So yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know, hey, you know. Maybe we can create an app if uh, having chickens is a popular thing out in uh, Pennsylvania. Maybe we can create like a, you know, dog sitting has an app now. Maybe we make a chicken sitting app and make some money. Interesting. That's funny. I don't know about that one. So speaking of uh, Penn State, you recently made a move to the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club after a time in Wisconsin, a long yeah. time in Colorado. Tell us a little bit about your journey starting from your year at Northern Michigan, why you left, and then, you know, you spent a long time at the OTC and in that area. Um, so tell us about that journey. Why did you choose Greco and everything that led up to Penn State? Well, um, as far as Greco goes, I was always I, – I never won a high school state title, but I won every group national title you can win in Greco. So I don't know. It's just my – better style for some reason. I don't know why I was so much better at it. Um, and then I went to start with the Northern Michigan and Yvonne, I want to be a coach by Yvonne Ivanov. He had great catching, great, great wrestlers for a long time. And, uh, unfortunately I didn't, like he left that program right when I got there when I was, you know, 19. what year was that? Yeah. What year was that? 2009. Okay. Right, so two years removed from the U.S.'s first world title, and he moved. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and that was—I mean—that was a dominant place. There was a lot of like a lot of no, it was killer. There was killer great world champs. I mean, they were yeah. A lot of the medalists that we have from the last decade are from Northern Michigan. So yeah, some of us. And so Dennis, my, my coach went there, Dennis Hall, I was there for a year. And then they made this rule where you couldn't stay at Northern Michigan for five years. So that made all the good guys, all the guys that I wanted to train with left. Because I was already a Greco specialist in high school. I was, you know, wrestling the U.S. Open at the high school or playing. So, um, hey, can we stop? Can we stop right there? So when you, what, what? What is that conversation like when you kind of have to tell your high school wrestling coach, like, hey, man, yeah, this, this state title stuff is cute and all, but I'm trying to win a world now. What is that conversation like? Well, I don't know if we, I mean, when I was wrestling, I think uh, he just told me to wrestle hard. I don't think it was, but when I, I mean, it wasn't, I didn't change my wrestling style again, but when I wrestled in my goal sheet as a freshman, was to actually be a 2012 Olympian. It wasn't to be a state champ. I didn't care about the championship. Like, that was my goal as a young high schooler. So, I mean. Right, but you have to understand that most, most high school coaches, they, they, they will kind of pigeonhole you into, hey, look, we have to do what's best for this team. What's best for this team is you winning a state title in folk style, not winning, you know, not trying to make a, a 12 Olympic team, right? Yeah. Like, and that's your focus, sure. you know. For sure, definitely, you know, maybe that's why I didn't win state titles. That's actually, that's actually a great point, you know, because it wasn't really the focal point of my career. I knew that wasn't going to be, like, 
what defined me. But I, I can't like I definitely tried to win a state championship. I was crushed. I was crushed when I lost my senior year. So I mean, I that's not for a lack of trying because I'm way too competitive not to try to win. So I mean, right. But it's just not, uh, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, yeah, they, uh, the men's you're going to try and win, right? But, but it's also like, hey, you know, I'm trying to win a medal here. I'm not trying to win a state title. And while those are awesome, you know, I mean, it, it's far more important. The gravity of an Olympic team is far bigger than winning a high school state title. And I think no, a lot no. of kids are so scared and they're so, they're so pressured by their high school uh, situation, and even by their parents sometimes, right? Like some, yeah. some of these guys... Oh, no doubt. Got to win a state title. Got to go to college. Got to get a scholarship. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. Maybe this kid loves to chuck people on their dome, man. Maybe, maybe we let him do that, you know? I, it would definitely be better for U.S. kids if you specialize in a style young. Because look at the Europeans. Like that, when you get... You have, you have a, you know almost an eight-year gap where you don't wrestle any Greco, you're in trouble. That's a yeah. big gap to fill, especially after wrestling, wrestling folk style for, you know, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the, the problem, and so, you know, you and I have talked about it um, before, and, and I, I kind of got off the phone with you, and I go, well, man, he's right. He, he's right. It's harder for, for these kids to grow up wrestling folk style and then switch gears immediately and go, oh, I'm a Greco guy. Well, it doesn't work quite that easily, man. I mean, it's a different body style. Yeah. Body style, it's a different, hey, you can call it what you want, but it's a different mindset, okay? It's truth, right? Yeah. It's a different mindset. So, and, and, and then what happens is, like, especially folk style, like, I'm not even going to preach the subject of freestyle, right? But folk style is such a control-based art form that yep. we learn to wrestle under those mental parameters, right? Like I have to have uh -huh. so much control for a takedown and to score points, then all of a sudden we take that or it kind of follows us over into the international style. And then you go, well, why would I go for an arm spin, right? When I can't get up yeah. on top of them sometimes. Well, guess what? You don't have to get up on top of them. Sometimes you just put them on his head and see what happens, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Definitely, uh, we're taught to, like, take less risk almost in folk style because we have to control, control things. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. A good point. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, I, I totally cut you off. So, you were no, talking you're about high school and, and then, and, and that kind of oh. stuff. And you were, so, yeah, I went to, uh, yeah, no, you're good. Um, so, everybody left Northern Michigan, that's why I moved to Colorado. And then, obviously, you know, we thought I have a, end up having a relationship, having a daughter. Um, and then, what happened? I moved back to, I felt like I wasn't getting like the right thing. Colorado, you know, I made an Olympic team uh, at 74 kilos. But, you know, I moved up a weight class. I felt like relationship-wise and, you know, coaching-wise, I wasn't getting what I needed. And then I ultimately, before the 2016 Olympics, uh, Olympic Charles, I went to Florida and trained there with Jordan Steeler for four months. Then after that, I came back to Wisconsin, trained on the farm with Downey. For, well, I mean, I was at the farm for 
few months by myself, and then I went and got Downey when he was having trouble at Iowa State, and then now I'm at Penn State. Tell us a little bit about uh, you and Downey. So, you know, he's an overhook guy. You're an underhook guy. Um, you know, he's a brawler. Definitely like, you know, not your typical cut from the cut from the typical cloth kind of dude on and off the mat. Um, what was it like training yeah. with him? What was the benefits for you? What was the benefits for you? And what was the benefit for him? Well, you know, we're big, big contrast to styles. You know, he's tall and lanky. I'm short and stocky. But we're both fighters, you know, when we get into wrestling, you know, we'll both fight for every position. So I had a really good underhook, he had a really good overhook, and it would make us, you know, collaborate on a lot of cool stuff and be able to wrestle. You know, just because you're a freak, freestyle guy doesn't mean you can't wrestle. You're like, wrestling's wrestling. As soon as I get my hands on you, like I was saying, in Greco, I'm going to do the same thing. So, like, when you get a lot better at hand fighting wrestling, wrestling Greco guys. Yeah, my honor looks different, so it's really good for freestyle guys to get that feel. And, you know, it's good for me to feel, you know, you know let people letting me into, like, honor hooks that are sort of baiting me to try to hit other moves. So, uh, you know, we, we did, we were good friends since 2012. I thought he was going through some troubles at Iowa State and, you know, wasn't getting along with a lot of people. So I went and picked him up, you know, and, lived in my house or lived in the farm with me for so many months and we just trained. Mount Run we always hit, you know, just out in the middle of the country, keeping keeping uh, the wild bounty away from bad things. <laughs> Sometimes he can be his own worst enemy, I'm sure. Yeah, man, so he, he's a hard worker, man. He really is. Once you get in a situation where I feel like he can trust the people, you know, he thought he was going to get his opportunity at Iowa, and I think uh, they were they were telling him a lot of stuff that wasn't really true. You know, when I talked to, when I talked to the, my coach at Penn State, uh, they were like, oh, yeah, I don't think that transfer was ever really going down because of all the, like, insane, Big Ten to Big Ten. So, you know, I think he got taken advantage a little bit there. I feel bad for him. Yeah, that sucks. He gets in a situation where he can train, and work hard and show who he really is, I think he'll, he'll be obviously one of the top people in the U.S. once he's very cheap. Yeah, man, he's, a, he's, he, he's definitely a gamer. So, you know, speaking of Penn State, Penn State is known for winning national titles in college, but not really for Greco. So what led you to Penn State, and what has been the impact in your training since you've been there? Well, uh, Mason Mandrill made the world team last year when we were in Rustin Terrace. Uh, he brought up the tale about me coming to Penn State. You know, we, we had talked about it a little bit. I didn't know if he was being serious or not, and obviously he was. He talked to Kale, and then me and Kale talked about it at Worlds. Um, came out for a visit, and, you know, we just thought we we all got along real well, and it was a great fit for me to help myself you know, just move along in my life. So I feel like I'm going to the prime of my career. You know, with the help I get from the Line Wrestling Club, I can, you know, start a life, really, you know? For sure. So you, you said that you stayed at Kale's house when you first got there. What was that like? Oh, it was pretty, it was pretty uh, very awesome. You know, I think it sort of just shows the type of person he is. And he, uh, it's, it's scary how perfect of a person he is. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what his brother says too. To live up 
I uh, Sam, that's what his brother yeah, said but, too. Uh, like so, how hurt are in, in like every like meaning? So he's he just do always wrong. like, yeah, he doesn't do anything wrong. I don't know. I don't know what it's like. He's, I mean, he's a religious, real religious person. He has a lot of great beliefs. You know, he reads his kids, the kids the Bible, like verses in the in the from the Book of Mormon every night. So it's just he's just a great person. Wow. For those of when you, you're, when you're around that, when you're around that, it's hard not to do the same thing. Yeah, well, I, I think that's part of the atmosphere there. You know, I call it the championship atmosphere. When you're surrounded not just by good wrestlers but by good people, you know, as a byproduct, you become a better person, and by becoming a better person, you become a better wrestler, and it feeds into each other. I think that's, you know, that's kind of. That's that was my impression as an outsider looking in. What's so special about that place is, um, you know, all these people care about each other. They're all good people. They make each other better people. They have a similar belief system. So as a group, yeah. they all rise up. So, you know, what do you what do you think is so special about the staff well, and about and the atmosphere? Too, you know, a, a good thing, about, you know, Mal was saying yesterday, you know, he gets to go and hang out with his buddies and talk about wrestling, you know. I, we're doing the same thing. We got to come in and work out and beat up on each other and get better at wrestling and everything. How lucky are you to, you know, be able to do that? You know, even though Mal might not look at it and as to that, dude, that is the definition of it. You know, you're yeah. lucky to do yeah. what you love to do every single day. And that's, it's like a dream come true. So everybody just wants yeah. to get better, better in that situation. And like you said, the first, like we just talked about it, and it's becoming a better person. So it's just a, like you said, a championship atmosphere. So, so the, the attitude of gratitude. Yeah, but it's funny, like, like so, like, I, I just never coined the phrase. I just always kind of thought I was just super lucky, you know? Like, like today, literally today, right? I got up, I made breakfast for my kids, and then I went to the gym, and I shot... 70 videos, right? And I got to try on some new shoes, like new wrestling shoes, which I'm kind of like into, right? Um, and Vader, Vader was there with me, and we're goofing around the whole time. And the production team that's around us, they can't believe how much fun we're having. I'm like, dude, are you yeah. serious? I did this when I was a kid. I literally did this since I was eight years old. Like, I've been doing the same shit for 30 years. Yeah. You know, this is, I'm yeah. around with my friends, man, and they don't get it, you know? They look at it as, well, it's just another shoot. And Vader's goofing me, he's trying, like, he, like we're doing uh, high crotch finishes and stuff like that, we're doing crotch rock. And, like, he's, like, I'm trying to talk, and he's, like, shoving a finger in my butt. I'm like, dude, knock it off. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> we're goofing around the whole time, dude. And everybody that says this is not a wrestling club, you know, we're lucky, grateful to be able to wrestle for who we wrestle for and, you know, hopefully keep getting better every single day until, you know, 2020 or 2024 for me. So For sure. So I just did the podcast with Kyler talking to Kale's brother, you know, um, and he says, yeah, yeah. and he, the whole, the whole podcast was about gratitude. How about how it's the center of yeah. the Sanderson success and it's the center of Penn State success. And, you know, that's that's what you were preaching is saying, you know, it's it's what's so special about down there. 
They love being there because you're so grateful for the opportunity. When you're grateful for opportunities, you know, the, the first principle in wrestling mindset, I'm thankful for the opportunity to wrestle. You know, you're thankful for the opportunity to do 20 different things that the Nittany Lion Club allows you to wrestle around the best guys in the world, be, have the best coaching staff in the world, have a situation that allows you to, you know, uh, um, um, grow as a person and grow as a wrestler. So, you know, it's important, I think, for those of you that are listening, you know, number one, if you haven't listened to the, the Kyler Sanderson podcast, you better download that ASAP. But secondarily, you know, this is now the second person who's saying this two weeks in a row talking about how gratitude is so important and how it's the, the success story of the people at Penn State. So guys, this isn't just something that one or two people are saying. This is something from top to bottom and left to right. You gotta take some more notice to. Um, hey, can I butt in for just one second? Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, go I for it. To, I, don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but the truth of the matter is, I think it's important that we say that that's not the case in every wrestling room. Yes. Okay. So what I want people, especially kids listening to this, to recognize is what came first. Are they successful and then they became grateful for their opportunity? Or were they just grateful for their opportunity and loved it so much that they became successful? Well, the truth of the matter is I can't really answer that question, but I got a good idea that it's the second one, right? I mean, I got a good idea that they feel so lucky to be able to train every day that they kind of just leave it out there. Whereas there are so many wrestlers in the country that you walk into, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not kidding about this. Like I, I, walk, I do a lot of camps and I do a lot of clinics, and you walk into some of these wrestling rooms, and it feels like a freaking mortuary, dude. It feels like a morgue that you're walking. You know what I'm talking about too, right, Ben? Like uh, yeah, you walk in there and you're like, y'all, y'all are not happy to be here, man. And there, there's a time and a place, right? Like, there's certain times of the year where if you walk into a high school room in January, it's going to it's gonna feel icky because everybody hates wrestling at that point, you know? Because if I, I remember when I was in high school, if I wanted, if I if coach told me to hit one more high crash to a double, I was going to thumb my eyes out, right? But, <laughs> but for the most part, there's going to be an overall feel of a room. And... I've been in that Penn State room. I put two athletes on that team, and I can remember walking in there and going, these dudes are psyched to be here. I know they're psyched yeah, to be smart. here because they're, ha yeah, they're goofing around beforehand. They stay afterwards. They're playing, you know, they're playing games, and they're playing soccer, and every oh, yeah. time Garner gets the ball in soccer, everyone ducks because, you know, he's just going to pound on it, you know? So it's like it, it's a oh, thing. It's a fun thing, you know? Garner definitely has a... A cannon in, uh, <laughs> in what's it called, in dodgeball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People avoid Barner because he's a, he's a little intimidating. <laughs> are you sure? Are you positive? Yeah, the guy that looks yeah. like Trek? Well, that's shocking. Really. <laughs> so, are, so, are you, so are you guys a dodgeball team, a spike ball team, both? Or like, you know, what do you guys play? Dodgeball, handball. Handball? No, I wish, bro. I wish it was handball, man. I I no, really? I remember they don't play it. Nah, we haven't played too much. I, I don't think Kale liked it. When, when I was playing, I'm pretty vocal because I played football and stuff. So if yeah. you suck or drop the ball, I'm going to say it. I don't think you 
That's funny, man. That's funny. Um, you know, it's important to keep things light. And I think, you know, people need to realize that, you know, in addition to being grateful, you need to learn how to have fun and being grateful allows you to have fun. If you're not great, if you're not grateful for something, you're really not going to enjoy doing it. You know, like if like you said, you love fishing, right? So if you love fishing, you're grateful for that. So like when you go fishing, you're like, you're like, hell yeah, I'm dialed in. Like I'm ready to catch some fish. You know, it could be cold as hell. Wherever you're at, dropping fish in an ice, or dropping a, a cast in an ice hole. But you're like, man, I'm just so excited to fish. And if kids could be like that about wrestling, man, they would wrestle better, and maybe our sport wouldn't be dying uh, in some states like it is. Yeah, definitely. You definitely need to enjoy what I, for sure. Enjoying what you're doing, you don't work a day in your life. You're absolutely so, right. Um, I've been lucky enough. I've been lucky enough to do that. For sure. So, Ben, unlike other guests on our podcast, you've actually participated in wrestling mindset training. We worked with the U.S. Greco and women's freestyle team leading up to the Rio Olympics. I was actually there with uh, Gene and Eddie in person delivering a, a, a week's worth of training to you guys. So you saw it, you felt it, you did it. W what did you think of the training? How is it different than what you've done before? And, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Well, I just think it was a lot easier to relate uh, to, you know, everyday wrestler than, than any other program, you know. Like, I've been to a psychologist a bunch, and you guys just broke it down to uh, wrestler or fighter's mindset, and that it really helped me, I guess, simplify it, you know, you guys simplified it and made it easier for a lot of wrestlers and families to, to, get, to get easy access to what the right mindset is to be a champ. You know, it's even, it's even in any sport, not just not just wrestling. Every sport's the same way. If you're worried about what somebody else is going to do, they're probably going to score a touchdown. You know, so it's just life. For sure. So it's worrying about getting better. So the fact that it was sport specific to wrestling, the fact that it was wrestlers talking to you and that it was broken down in yeah. a simple form that you can utilize through like, you know, interactive communication of worksheets versus, hey, hey, let's go talk about our feelings. No for sure. It's definitely a much easier, much easier, easier for a wrestler or young kid to grasp. For sure. For sure. So, um, there's something that you said a while back that's always stuck with me. Speaking of, you know, mindset training that reminds us all that no one is Superman, not even Olympians that are built like Superman like you. So, one of the core principles behind mindset training is to keep the focus on ourselves and not our opponents. Our moves, our pace, our ties, not worried about what our opponent's doing. And, uh, you said you had never been more prepared physically to compete at a competition as you were for Rio, but you said you didn't win in Rio because you were so focused on what you knew your opponent was going to do rather than getting to your own attacks. So what's changed about that mindset and, you know, how did that, you know, again, how, how did that affect your performance at Rio and what do you do differently now learning from that situation? Well, obviously, I lost in Rio because of that. So, I mean, I just have to learn from it. There's a reason that it happened. There's a reason that I went through it and I wasn't worried about my attacks. It's just, I think, it comes with growing as a 
as an athlete. And uh, I, I think being able to realize that and being able to, you know, say that to myself, I, now I can move on with it, try to get better and just worry about what, what I'm going to do and how I'm going to wrestle somebody. You know, and as far as changing my, the way I wrestle, I just know I need to force my position in every, in, in every position. I can't, I can't sit and wait for a European to, to do something because that's what I'm going to get beat. Especially, you know, parterre, even if I give my chance in parterre, I'm probably going to lose because my parterre game is just not up to what a lot of, a lot of foreigners are. They just have better parterre than us, you know. Not wrestling it for, you know, if we wrestle it for two or one month, how good are we going to get in international park there? So I uh, definitely force me to adjust how I'm going to wrestle um, and wrestle hard the whole time, I would say. For sure. So I got, I have two short questions for that. And then I want to hear you and Mal kind of dive into, you know, uh, some of the talks that we've had previously about the importance of training Greco, why we're behind, the difference between the Europeans, how do we get there? Um, so, you know, we talk about what you what happened to you at Rio. What's the difference, Ben Provisor, London Olympics, Ben Provisor, Rio Olympics, Ben Provisor today, like walking away from the, from the Pan Ams? I'll say one thing, you know, obviously you're very focused on yourself now because you went and Rest, you, you went and out Grecoed a bunch of freestyle guys. So you weren't worried about what they were going to do. You didn't care if they shoot, if, uh, if they shot. You weren't worried about shooting. You're just like, I'm, I'm going to do my game and I'm going to force you to move my game. So obviously, we know where you're at with that now. But overall, like mindset wise, what you're focusing on when you wrestle, where, what was Ben look, what did Ben look like in 2012 versus 2016 versus today? Well, 2012, I feel like I was just a young kid. You know, I, I actually I had to live live really right just to be able to make 163 pounds. You know, I was I was walking. I weighed 190 in high school. You know, probably 200 during football. So making 153 was a, a lifestyle change for a few months. So I think that's what really helped me uh, make that team. Um, I really didn't have much mental training, I would say. And then 2016, obviously, I was up at 80. 85 kilos, and I feel like I'm just still growing into myself. 2016, I I feel like I started listening. Like what I really felt like is I started listening to God and what He wanted me to do. And once I started doing that, like things in my life started to fall into place. And as soon as I did that, you know, for this last, I I put my faith in Him, and then I got this job at Penn State. So now I just know the type of shape I'm in, the type, the way I live. Like, who I'm around, I can trust the people I'm with. And I feel like this year is going to be the first year I win a world medal. So, I, I feel like just my confidence is, is through the roof because of, like, who I've become. I'd say just listening to, listening to what I feel like I'm supposed to do in life. So listening, being around the right people, obviously you've changed your situation a few times. So now being at Penn State, being around the right people, listening to what God has to say, you know, having faith impact your wrestling. I don't know if you've listened to, but the last, the, the two podcasts prior to Kyler were um, talking about the importance of faith in wrestling. So Seth Gross and Jack Mueller kind of dive, uh, dove into that. So on your long drive back fr from Wisconsin, you know, you're uh, welcome to pop that in and take a listen. I think you'll enjoy it. So, you know, long story short, you guys, you know, you've heard 
how wrestling is a journey. It's a transformation. You got to trust the process. You got to find the right people around you to guide you in the right direction. But ultimately, you got to keep the focus on yourself. So, um, you know, let's 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 change gears for a second. And something that, you know, we've all talked about before and you guys dove into some great conversation is, you know, Mal, let's go and start talking. What are we not doing right in the in the U.S. for Greco? What are we what are we missing? Why are we why are we having talented kids and some people that are destroying people on the national scene? They go overseas and it's like they're just like anybody else. So, Mal, I'll let you take the lead. There's one reason it's called folk style. <laughs> so, absolutely right. So, go ahead and talk more about that. Mike's yours, man. Um, well, I, I just think I just think that it's really hard. There's not a lot of great coaches. You know, you look in the last, like I said, in the last ten, you know, thirty years, you've had four world Olympic champs. Not like not too many people are really at that level. It's hard to. It's a completely different style. You know what I'm saying? Like the way you wrestle folk style with your feet forward, protecting your leg, and then you gotta be able to open your hips and wrestle like more side to side in Greco. So it's just a completely different body style. There's not many people that are specialized in it in the United States. So if we have four world champs placed and really good coaches, say we have five good coaches in all of the United States, how possibly can we get how many people wrestle? In the in the nation, I don't even know how many kids wrestle. How, if my whole well, there's there's a thousand, but like so, yeah, so how are kids going to get a couple hundred thousand people better? They're not. They're not. So exactly. I guess, I guess what what. So I thought about it, right? So like I guess the first time I, I kind of breached this subject with you, it it was a bit too vague, right? Like. I, I kind of left the ball on your court saying, okay, well, what are we going to do to get better in Greco? And that is really a broad-stroke question. That's a difficult question to answer because uh, there's so many different things, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. There's just so many different things that we need to do um, at every yeah. level, at literally every level, right? So from youth level all the way up to senior level to get better at Greco. How about this? Let's do this. I'm going to ask Ben Provisor. Where, what two positions on a wrestling mat do, does this country need to improve ASAP? Like, where do we need to do the most work between now and let's call it Tokyo? Parter. Parter offense? And offense or defense? Parter offense and defense. Parter, the way we move, the way we like, the way we move on bottom, we always seem to get turned. Um, and the, how we can get turned, you look at how people are winning medals. It's in part there. It's by not getting turned and by turning people. So if you can do that in a match, you can compete with anybody in the world. So I, I agree. What are you work, What are you working on? What are you working on in part there right now? Well, right now I need to work on my part there in general. I haven't been showing at the Pan Ams and had a child. This is the first time I've been turned on bottom in years. So I, I need to work on it more. And really, especially in part there, I think the biggest thing, once you start moving, 
And once you get ahead of somebody, you stay ahead. The second you ahead on the scoreboard? No, ahead on, like, position. Say somebody gets a lot. Say you get a lot, right? And as soon as I start moving, I can't stop. Because as soon as I stop, if you have a good lot, that's when I'm going to get in trouble. So I just can't rest. If you have to give up a lot to rest up, you know? So eventually they're going to get their hands locked. And, you know, I mean, you, you have to sort of, I would say, guide it to where you want it to go. But you can't, if you stay open or closed for too long, you're going to get in trouble. I got a foul right. against me in the Olympic team trials, too, like for it. So it's, you got to give people a lot. But once you start moving and you feel where his hands are, you have to keep that pressure on their lock and make sure you break it and stay ahead of them. Interesting. Okay. Awesome. I, that that so, type of thing, though, would be easier for me to show you, like, right. show you. You know, yeah, no, I, I know. I, I, I have a good, I have a good idea what you're saying, but I agree with you 100. percent Next time we see each other, for sure, I'm gonna make sure to get down and park your defense. I know it's not gonna be fun. <laughs> that's the other thing. That's the other thing that, that's really difficult, right? Is that nobody likes drilling gut wrenches, but nobody likes it. It's miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but we have to do it. That's why Yvonne invented the bone dummy because people were complaining. People were complaining. They're like, "You can't, you, you can't keep drilling on me. You're gonna hurt my ribs." Wah wah wah. Yeah, but my coach always, you know, Dennis would always say, "Eventually, you're just gonna have to bite the bullet on the gut wrench." You know, so it's, you, you just gotta eat it. You gotta eat the pain yeah. and, and dress over for a gut wrench. It's part of it. He's a really tough dude. He's a tough dude. You know, I've, 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 I've worked with guys that, you know, like, uh, you know, the Coons brothers spent a lot of time with him. So not to, not to interrupt the flow of like why we need to get better in Greco, but, um, like what makes a guy like Dennis Hall so tough? I I was going to say, you know, not to interrupt the flow, but uh, on a side note, what makes a guy like Dennis Hall so tough? You know, he was a very accomplished wrestler, and people relate it to him being so tough. Kids that wrestle him still say, yeah, coach just beats the daylights out of me when we wrestle. Wh- what's so tough about yeah. him? He's just impossible to get to. His hand fight is ridiculous. And he's one of the toughest people I know. He just has a will to win. You know, he just doesn't give up any position. Even when he was up at Northern Michigan and Spencer Manko was making the team he was, he was, he, he would have matches with Spencer. I'll just say that. <laughs> wow. So he's just a tough dude, man. He's just a good wrestler. That's what he was meant to do. You watch him in high school. He was something special. So, I mean, he was a young, he was a young world champ, 25-year-old world champ, 26-year-old Olympic silver medalist. Arguably the best lightweight to ever wrestle for the United States. Wow. That's awesome, man. So, you know, we're talking about a great wrestler like him and we've, we've talked about before how it's important, you know, watch the guys that do what you do, but they do it the best in the world. So, you know, if if you were going to say, um, let's just say overall, like who is the best Greco wrestler in the world of any weight class we're talking about in neutral, who has the best neutral and Greco in the world outside of you, of course. Neutral, huh? I would, neutral, I'd have to say that Armenian. Uh, the Armenian. Yeah, I know. He's a special wrestler, man. Alexander. 
Yeah, he, I mean, he's won the last, you know, few world championships, won the Olympics. I mean, he's a, he's a special wrestler. And he's great in part there, too. Um, yeah, he's pretty good in part there, too. I was just going to tell you. He's yeah. Bad, you know, oh, I mean, he, he can do that. He can do that. Put down, though? That was on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's no joke, dude. Um, but for me, man, I just, I love me some black off. I just love watching the guy. I love, uh, I, yeah. like, as soon as he gets on top, you know, um, I love watching Everybody him knows fight you for a lot. Yeah, I love, but like, I, like, so there's, there's these little nuances in there, too. Like, I love watching him fight for a lot. And I love how athletic he can be with another person moving underneath him. Like, that's, it's incredible yeah. to me the way he can move his feet, right? Like yeah, especially when he's in shape. Such a good position. Yeah, if he wants yeah. to be trained for something, good luck trying to get him on bottom, man, because he's not uh, better than anybody else. Uh, you know, I mean, first time I ever watched him wrestle, first time I ever watched him wrestle at Junior Worlds, I was like, this dude's special. He, like, teched everybody. Yeah. So I, I yeah. definitely know what you're saying. I could... And sometimes he's come to tournaments out of shape and not ready for him, but when he's there, yeah. totally, totally right. When he's on his game, we want to you know, he's not going to give up in. So can you guys can you guys name those two wrestlers so that uh, those that are listening, if they want to check it out, uh, so name who they are and what country they're from. So I saw from Russia, and I believe it's, um, uh, who's the Armenian? Uh, I just said his name, darn it. Um, <laughs> give me a second. I'm horrible with names. I'm not going to be able to get yeah, out. I already know that. Alexanian? Is that right? Alexanian? It's something with an A. How many kilos? What was the key, What was the weight class? 96. Yeah, I got it. Here's right here. I, just, I, I got it. So, it's uh, Artur Alexanian. I was right. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Artur, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. guys, the, these are the people that people, that, so, you know, Mal, obviously Ben loves Greco, but Mal, you know, little known fact, or maybe a widely known fact, Mal loves Greco. And, uh, you know, and actually, Mike, shout out to you for how good you are at Greco. You know, best kid that I've coached the last four years here in Houston. Um, he was turning a lot of corners, made the semifinals at Fargo, you know, double American as a freshman. But to get him to the next level, man, I really I really credit a lot of that to, you know, what you were what you were able to do, you know, bringing in good partners and like lots of mentorship was great for his development. But, you know, the, those of you that ever get the chance to learn from Mal, regardless of style, but man, you really did a lot for Colin. So I, uh, I do appreciate that. And it's a lot of the details. Well, thank you. And it's very kind of you to say, but what's funny about it is that Ben mentioned earlier, right? There's probably five. And maybe it's, maybe that's being a bit conservative. Maybe there's 10, maybe there's 10, solid, world-class Greco coaches in this country. Ben, is that crazy to say? No. That's about right, right? Anywhere between five it's hard to name to, Yeah, right. So it's probably somewhere around seven, right? I've had the, I've had the luxury. I've been, I've been so fortunate that I've been around three or four of them, right? So... Oh, no. Really, what I'm doing is I'm doing an imitation of them, right? Because I know Ron and his system of wrestling is so freaking good, man. And then there's guys that are in the Midwest that are pretty good, and there's guys that are out east that are pretty good. Like, there's a guy 
understated person you'll ever meet. He hates um, talking in front of people, but he's one of the best Greco coaches I've ever learned from. And so, basically, when I'm training guys in Greco, I, I have guys like Colin who, who really focus on Greco, especially in the last year of his life. Um, I'm really, I'm honestly, I'm doing a, a, a Matt Siempa impression, you know, and, and which is fine, you know, like all good coaching is stealing from somewhere, right? So, but, but yeah, that's, you know, you mentioned it earlier, these kids need to have good, focalized, specialized training. They're not, and if they're not getting it, they're not going to be able to excel, not, not, not at a national level. No, uh, yeah. Fretwell said it best when we were doing the California Coaches Clinic. He said, they were like, man, how did you come up with this? He's like, I didn't come up with half of this. He's like, the best coaches are good thieves. He's like, we all see it, take it, and then make it our own and spin it to what we need for our kids and our, and our, and our own development. Sure. But yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's, it's being around, being around the right people and being able to take what they do and apply it to what we need. So, um, do you guys have anything else, uh, Ben and, uh, uh, Mike, do you have anything else on how to add value and grow um, U.S. Greco? Oh, I don't know. I so more young kids specialize in it. I don't know. I, I'm tough. Well, sure. yeah, I mean, look, here's a, here's <laughs> it's a, a, that's a, a delayed question. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a road, man. It's a, it's a road that has to be paid you for have a little, little money. Yeah. So how about this? How about this? Let's let let's encourage kids to train Greco by answering a simple question. As a high school wrestler, whether you want to go to Northern Michigan or whether you just want to be a better wrestler, why should you train Greco? In a short in a short yeah, response. Way better. And fighting is just a different level. It's more like a how about this? It's more like go ahead, I'm sorry, man. That's my fault. My fault. My fault. You're good. You're good. Three scores, right? So 
right folk style, and that's where I'm going to make my money, and this and that. No, no, we really need to focus on crack legit. So, Mike, I know you got to head out, and you know you got lots of stuff to take care of. It's your it's your first weekend in a while that you're not traveling, right? Uh, it, it, you know what? I've actually been fortunate enough to be home. Like the guys that know that I would like to, you know, spend time with my family, so they're kind enough to find other ways to keep me busy. Uh, so basically, I'm just traveling for camps and clinics right now. That's um, awesome. I'm doing a lot of the pre-production stuff for Final X in the studio. So, yeah, I'm, I'm home this weekend, and then I'm in Indiana next week and North Carolina the week after. Thank you for reminding me about Indiana. I worked with a couple teams in Indiana, so I'll make sure that I'll send you them the information. I'll send them the information so they can come to camp. Awesome. Thank you so much. For, for sure. And then, you know, Mike, before before you sign off and Ben and I get into the Mindset Quickfire, um, you have a really exciting camp coming up uh, with two of the biggest legends of wrestling. So can you tell us about it? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a really catchy name. They're calling it uh, the Sergey and Anatoly Belagrazov camp. And basically it's being coined as 12 world titles and some schmucks from Jersey. Um, so basically it's me and the Belagrazov brothers. And uh, I get to learn as much as I teach. So it should be fun. Well, where where can we find that information about that camp so that uh, those, of, those don't want to go? Sunnyvale, Sunnyvale Wrestling uh, is the Black Sheep Wrestling Club out in Northern California is going to be hosting. And we're doing, like, so, you know, he, he talked to me about coming out and, you know, obviously the technique was a big part of it. But the truth is, um, I'm gonna, while I'm out there, man, I'm going to get a bunch of wall talks. You know, we were doing those, um, you know, those post-workout wall talks um, with Alger and, and some of those guys. And we're going to do a couple with the Belagrazov brothers. We're going to do one with Marky Munoz and also Mark Branch. So, you know, we, we should have a ton of content coming from there, not just not just me going out there and teaching a camp. Cool. Well, those of you that want to come to that camp, whether you're in California or maybe some nearby states, make sure that you go check that out. Um, you know, speaking of camps, uh, I'm excited to be in Utah. I'll be doing a camp with Kale and Zane Rutherford over at Sanderson Wrestling Academy. So those of you that are interested in coming to these camps, make sure you go online, check it out. Uh, Mike, it was great to have you again for episode number two. Looking forward to see who we come up with for number three. And my man, keep up. Keep up what you're doing. Keep keep changing wrestling. Thank you, brother. Hey, Ben, thanks so much for your Take it easy, man. No worries. All right, Mike. So, um, Ben, we're going to finish you up here. Again, I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy. So, um, 10 really simple questions. We call it the Mindset Quick Fire. Really, really simple, straightforward, diving into, you know, who you are as a wrestler between the ears. So how important is mindset in wrestling and why? Well, uh, like I said yesterday, I think it's about 80% of, uh, of our wrestling. Um, you know, you gotta be confident in what you're doing and the way you're training and who you're around. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from mindset. If you're not focused on what you're gonna do, you're not gonna get what you need done. So even if you don't believe, you're not going to put the work in. So everybody thinks it's a lot of physical work, but if you don't believe in what you're in what you're doing, then the physical work is going to be even harder. Absolutely. Um, 
And last but not least, what's your mental edge when you compete? My mental edge. I think I'm just tougher than everybody when it really comes down to it. I'll take myself in a fight over anybody. So I believe, I believe that when it really comes down to a tough match, that my will is going to outlast yours. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate your time today. I know you're driving on the, all the way from, you know, where you're at to Wisconsin. So uh, I appreciate that. Is, is there anything that you'd like to tell the listeners before we wrap up, whether it be advice or anything that you've got coming up? No, I'm good. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, so, again, guys, make sure that you check out um, – Check out our podcast. We've got lots of others that are also uploaded from NCAA champs uh, to great coaches. Make sure that you follow Ben. Ben, how do we find you on social media? Uh, this is Ben Provisor. Find me on all social media on Twitter. Ben Provisor 74. I don't wait 74 kilos anymore, but that's where it's stuck at. Um, and then Instagram, just under Ben Provisor. I don't know if I have any, I can get any more friend requests on Facebook, but yeah. Cool. Uh, make sure that you follow us, Wrestling Mindset, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can follow me, Mindset Mike, uh, Mindset underscore Mike on Instagram and Twitter. Pretty simple. Uh, you can find the same thing on Facebook. So again, Ben, thank you for your time. Best of luck at the trials. And, uh, you know, again, congratulations on your continued success. And we look forward to seeing you continue to progress in your career. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.